Tonight, I just want to begin with just a couple of announcements because at the end of the Mass tonight, we will be moving right into our procession to our altar of repose. And just in case you haven't seen, and I apologize for not getting a letter out earlier this week, kind of had it a, a um, revelation, so to speak. It was a goal that we had for a long time, and then of course we find ourselves in these interesting times, to have our altar of repose outside tonight. Originally hoping to do it in that beautiful new pavilion that Ernesto Jaramillo and his many wonderful uh, co-workers worked to make possible out there, and they also just finished a beautiful bridge and gazebo. And while we can't invite people to come down to the pavilion, we were able to set up in that beautiful bridge and gazebo an altar of repose. I do ask for your prayers that the winds calm down and we don't blow away while we're outside, but you are most welcome to come to campus tonight after the Mass until midnight and join us in prayer. Uh, but the one caveat is because we can't have a big gathering, you need to stay in your car. But there are about 30 places that have a very good view of the altar of repose if you want to park close. Um, if there are more cars waiting, please only stay about 15-20 minutes and then move out and let another car come closer. And But please, feel free to come throughout the whole night until midnight when we will bring our blessed Lord back in and bring down the, the altar of repose. But please know you're most welcome to join us for that. We'll be live streaming the procession to outside. And of course, also tomorrow, we will have our Stations of the Cross at noon, followed by a litany to the Sacred Heart. Uh, I know Archbishop Gomez, the president of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, will be leading a litany right at noon. That's the same time we do the stations. So we'll do the same litany at the end of our stations. And then the liturgy will be live streamed just like this at three. In between stations and the liturgy, we will have confessions. So I know. It's an interesting year, uh, very strange. Uh, I wish in a few moments I was going to get to wash some feet. I don't get to, but know this. In this last week, and I guess part of the reason I didn't get that letter done, is the, the priesthood doesn't stop, you know, in the midst of all of this. And I guess in some ways I kind of expected things to kind of slow down at this time, and they really haven't. Uh, there's been lots to do. Thanks be to God, I've gotten to hear a lot of confessions in our social distancing, okay, uh, confessional outside. Uh, I have made one trip to the hospital uh, to see someone, the first emergency call I've gotten since all of this is broken, taking all the appropriate precautions. Continue, please, to pray for all of our hospital workers and, you know, everybody in the midst of this time. And it's, it's a weird time in which we don't really know what's coming next. And it's easy, I think, to long for a bygone era. And I'll tell you a little bit of longing that I did this past week. This Tuesday was the 11th anniversary of my Grandma O'Brien's passing. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a tough anniversary. And I remember the day vividly because it fell the same uh, pattern of days then that year back in 2009 as it is this year. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 2009 as it is uh, this year because she passed away on a Tuesday. And as I mentioned this past Tuesday, that is always the day that we have the Chrism Mass for our diocese 
during Holy Week. And the Chrism Mass, you'll remember, is the day that Bishop Jugas consecrates the chrism oil, which is what is used for baptism and confirmation and ordination to the priesthood and the episcopacy. Uh, And he also blesses the oil of the catechumenate and also the oil of the sick. And I remember that year, I was so blessed. I had just found out about my grandma's passing just a little bit before that Mass began. I was a seminarian. I was two weeks away from being ordained a deacon, and I was given the job to hold the big container, it's like a big vase, of the oil that the bishop was going to bless and make into the oil of the sick. And I thought about my grandma, of course, uh, as I held that oil that would be used all across the Diocese of Charlotte and beyond to anoint the sick. And just to sort of think about how incredible it is, the tangible nature of the priesthood, the tangible nature of what our Lord has given us to hand on to others. And it was just such a a powerful thing, and why I bring up my grandma even tonight, as many of you have heard me joke over the years, that I like to say, and a lot of people say, oh, I'm a cradle Catholic. Well, I make the joke that I was Catholic from the time I was conceived. Because as soon as my mom knew that she was having a boy, my grandma O'Brien was convinced that I would be a priest. And she let everybody know that, especially me, over the years. And she was none too pleased when I was dating a wonderful young woman in college. And she let me know that. I will say, my grandma didn't strong arm me and force me. She was about you know, four foot nine. She was not a super tall nor physically strong lady. She did have a way of convincing you to do certain things, but I promise I came to this probably definitely with her prayers, but uh, independent of her forcing me down this road. However, it was so good uh, to have her example in her prayers over the years. And lately, it's funny, my parents gave me a, uh, like a video or a picture thing that that slides through digital pictures in the living room all the time. And lately, there have been a lot of pictures coming up from the very last time I went to visit my grandma in December of 2008. And I'm embarrassed to tell you that because it was December of 2008, she died in April of 2009. Now, she was in Bloomington, Illinois. I was in Columbus, Ohio in the seminary, and in fact the last time I saw her was just a day or two before I left to go with my class to Rome, and then I came back, and we got right back into the semester. And I'll tell you though, I wish that I could go back in time and tell myself, get over there, you know, get over there a couple more times, spend a little bit more time with her, you know. And it's interesting because some of the same pictures coming up have been my grandma and grandpa Eckert. Both of them uh, have passed away in the last year and a half. Once again, seeing the pictures has been beautiful and a great reminder, but let's be honest, it's not the same as getting to spend time with them. And we even say, like, just, you know, we all have disappointments and difficulties in the midst of all of this pandemic. Thank God for technology, right? I mean, I'm so glad that you're here right now via live stream. But once again, let's be honest, it's not the same. 
One of the things that's very disappointing and hard for me is this upcoming week, this Easter week, my sister was supposed to be here with her kids. We were going to go to the beach for a couple of days with my parents. I was going to get to play with my niece and my nephews, as I may have mentioned once or twice, are pretty important to me. I love getting to be with them. Now, I've gotten to spend time with them a little bit over the last couple of weeks on FaceTime, seeing them and talking a little bit, but let's be honest, it's not the same. I love getting to be with each one of them. I love the fact that God has given me so many incredible gifts of the people in my life, of my grandma and, of course, my grandpa O'Brien, too, my grandma and grandpa Ecker, my parents, my sister, my brother-in-law, my, my niece and my nephews, my brother and sister-in-law, both sets. I don't want to leave anybody out, but I'm sure I just did. But, you know, like there's all these wonderful things, but nothing replaces the bringing of everybody together. Nothing replaces that physical presence. And the beautiful thing is, as we reflect on this Holy Thursday night, that line that began the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John, began our Gospel for tonight, that right now is on our sign down by the road. Our Lord loved his own in the world, and he loved them till the end. I don't think that just means about the end at the end of his own life, at the end of the passion. I think it's to the end that we haven't even reached yet because our Lord didn't just leave us, and I have the Bible right here, didn't just leave us sacred scripture, just the word of God, as important and huge and important and divinely inspired as that is. He didn't just leave us an image of himself. It wasn't as though, you know, Veronica's image of his face or the Shroud of Turin. He didn't just leave us a picture. He didn't just leave us a statue. Let's say the most beautiful statue in the world, Michelangelo's Pieta. It's glorious. It's incredible. But at the same time, it's not the same. It's not the same as what we celebrate tonight. We celebrate the fact that he gave us himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most holy Eucharist. He gave us his actual, tangible presence. And the thing is, I think we all can sense this, can know this, especially in a time like this, that the video conferencing, as as great a gift as it is, it's not the same. It's not the same as being in the presence of the one that you love. I'll tell you, I heard a a beautiful interview with uh, Janet Smith the other day where she was kind of trying to encourage the bishops to make the access to the sacraments greater, to make more availability for churches to be open. And she cited the the line from the song of My Fair Lady, to be on the street where you live. And it's so important, it's so true, that when we love someone, we want to be in their presence. And remember this, this night isn't just about the fact that we love Jesus. Though it is true, he loved his own in the world, and he loved them till the end. He knew the way to stay present with us, to be in our midst until the end. He gave us the great gift of the Eucharist of himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity. How incredible a gift that is, and I would say that at this time, just like I said a few minutes ago, I wish that I could go back in time and tell myself, go spend more time with Grandma O'Brien. I wish I could do it. I'm even cracking up a little bit as I say it, because, you know, you long for that. And I would say how beautiful it is 
that we are given the gift of Christ's presence if we could go back in time and tell ourselves, go to the church, spend more time with him. Don't skip Sunday Mass because you're a little sleepy. You know, don't just skip daily Mass because it's a little inconvenient. Get in there and be with him, right? I mean, ultimately, the knowledge that we have is that he doesn't leave his own alone, that he loves his own in the world, and he loves them till the end. The beautiful thing I think we can take from this time is that we can almost say to ourselves right now, because God willing, you know, this too will pass. And I know that we hear a bunch of things that, oh, this is the new normal and this and that. Well, we got to keep striving. we got to keep trying to find the way to be creative, right? To find the way to be in his presence, to be close to him, to be able to receive him again. And I'll tell you, this is the other part of tonight, is it's about the institution of the Most Holy Eucharist, which also implies the institution of the Holy Priesthood. Pope John Paul II once said that without the, without the priest, there is no Eucharist. And without the Eucharist, there is no priest. That ultimately, our lives are so absolutely tied up with the presence of Christ. And that's ultimately where this gift of celibacy comes from. It's not just some sort of practical addendum along the way. I mean, on a practical nature, I'm sure many of our doctors right now you know, are feeling like, my goodness, you know, I've got my family to take care of. I'm at the hospital. There's all this. Okay, there's practical reasons for celibacy in all sorts of places. But it's something so much deeper than that. It ultimately comes from a love in the fact that he gave us his very self, and there must be men that are so committed to him that they're willing to give him their whole hearts. And of course, we know that it doesn't just end there. Think about the conversation we'll hear with our Lord and Peter coming up next week during Easter week. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And what does Jesus follow up with? After that declaration of his love, after that commitment of being with our Lord, feed my sheep. What ultimately are we to do, we priests of God, we're called to love our Lord with everything we've got. Our lives make no sense without the Eucharist. We are tied up with him. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, I beg for your prayers for myself and all of my brother priests that we may be on fire with love for him. I'll tell you on just kind of a personal devotional level, these last couple of weeks, every time in the Eucharistic prayer, when we get to the end of the Sanctus, when we get to the end of the Holy Holy, I pause. Now, I normally pause anyway because I'm, I'm thinking once again about the intention of the Mass that I'm offering, which, by the way, is for you tonight, the parishioners of Sacred Heart. But also, and I'll say tonight will have even more power and meaning, I'm thinking of all of you and bringing you to Christ in the Eucharist. I am in love with him. I, I don't make sense without Jesus Christ. Our life as celibate men, as priests of God, make no sense without him. And then, as he told us, feed my sheep, I bring you right there with me. You are in my heart, and I don't mean it in a corny way. I take you with me to the altar to the foot of the cross, to the resurrection. As tonight we begin this Holy Thursday, as things unfold, Darren put it so well the other day. He said, as you look at the, at the high altar, as you look at the offering of the Mass, there at the front is tonight, Holy Thursday. 
You move up a step. There is Friday with the cross, Good Friday. And up at the top, which is covered from our eyes tonight as we begin this triduum, is the resurrection, the sacred heart, pierced because of love for us, on fire with love for us, remaining in the world as a presence of true and lasting love for us. So what does that ultimately mean for us in this unique time? I would say in the same way that I wish I could go back in time and tell myself, go spend more time with grandma. Right now, say to yourself, I want to love him with all of my heart. Our beautiful second reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians reminds us, I mean, this is in the midst of a conflict in the Corinthian community, that St. Paul gives us the words from that first Eucharist in which our Lord said, this is my body, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What does St. Paul go on to say? Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. This is the thing. Look at the way that you've encountered him in the past. Look at the way that you've treated coming to him in this great gift of his true presence among us. And ask yourself, have I given him the love that I'm called to give him? This is the night to ask that question. To ask, am I taking this gift for granted? Do I think about him in the same way as that song from My Fair Lady? Do I just want to be on the street where he lives? Do I long to stop by the church and spend time with him in the Blessed Sacrament? Do I long for that day when I can receive him again? And God willing, it will be soon. Let's keep praying for some way to figure out the creative way that we can distribute communion once again. In the meantime, remember that line. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them till the end. My brothers and sisters in Christ, that doesn't end. That doesn't end now. He is with us always. The question that we have to ask ourselves constantly, because this is the trouble with us and our fickle hearts, right? We can wander away so easily. We can do it from the ones that we love. We can even do it to God himself. Let's ask ourselves that question. Am I looking to receive our Lord worthily? Am I preparing my heart totally? Am I driving those things away that are not of Him? Those things that keep me out of love for Him and one another? And this is the beautiful thing. Think about the Gospel tonight. He washes the feet of the apostles. He's there to wash away those indifferences, to wash away those different ways that we have taken Him for granted. And His love remains and remains till the end. It's not too late. I don't know exactly what's coming next, just like everybody else. But you know what I do know? He loved his own in the world, and he loved them till the end. He continues to stay with us, is with us this night, as we celebrate the great gift of the sacraments of holy orders and the Eucharist. One other great prayer intention I would ask you tonight. Pray for all those, especially at our parish, all of our catechumens and candidates, who have longed to receive our Lord. 
And because of all the circumstances, have to wait a little bit longer. Pray for them and remember them as you too strive to be open. Strive to drive away all those things that have kept you away from Christ. And remember, we have this incredible gift in our midst. The gift that he keeps giving us even in the midst of these crazy times. Because even if we don't know what's coming next, we do know he loved his own in the world. And he loved them till the end. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.